Welcome to the Bible Reading Plan podcast by Victory Point. One of the best ways to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to read and reflect on Scripture daily. We created this podcast to guide you through our daily Bible reading plan that helps us dwell in God's Word as we grow together in listening to the Spirit. Whether you're on your commute, doing dishes, or just getting up in the morning, we're glad you tuned in. Good morning and happy Friday. It is Friday the 8th, and uh, you made it, made it to Friday. Um, Hopefully you have some plans or mechanisms to distinguish Friday from other days, (laughs) and maybe initiate some kind of weekend ceremony to trick yourself into thinking that things are really different when uh, everything is totally not different day to day. We, We have a little board on our on a refrigerator, a little whiteboard, tiny little whiteboard. And uh, we, I used to write like Monday, you know, here's the plan for Monday. Here's what we're doing. Or, and now I just write day. <laughs> <laughs> they all blend together. It's just, it's just a day. <laughs> so anyway, happy Friday. Um, we're going to be reading Acts 7. I don't know why this is later in the week, uh, but it's earlier in Acts. Monday we read Acts 7, 55 through 60. And now we're reading Acts 7, 1 through 16. So in your mind, just reverse the narrative a little bit. And this is what happens before the stoning of Stephen. So, um, Wendy, would you, are you reading this one? Or am I reading? Yeah, I can read it. All right, thanks. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at the time Abraham had no children. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. God said, and afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was, no, there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had brought from the, bought from the sons of Hamer at Shechem for a certain sum of money. <laughs> what a strange... <laughs> That's when uh, Stephen was killed with a stone. <laughs> right. I'm just tired of hearing this story. <laughs> uh, I would, I would, uh, I just imagine Stephen 
you know, being interrogated by the high priest and then just trying to hold their attention while he gets through all this stuff. Right. It's like pleading the fifth by telling a story or something it's a, like it's that. It's a filibuster. <laughs> yeah this is uh steven's filibuster (laughs) uh listen to me Uh, i know you're about to stone me but i've got to give my defense here let me uh tell the entire story of israel (laughs) um so yeah and it's weird how this passage ends i don't know why this scripture you know why our reading ends here um but um i don't know there's there's uh one or two things that i really love about this passage nonetheless despite the the filibuster nature of it um is there anything that's sticking out to you you can go ahead okay so uh the famine then a famine struck all egypt and canaan bringing great suffering and our ancestors ancestors could not find food and when he heard there was grain in egypt jacob heard there was grain in egypt he sent our forefathers on their first visit and that's how they get into Egypt. And that's how they become, you know, that's how Joseph ends up, you know, working alongside Pharaoh. And then that's how God delivers them out of Egypt. Um, after they become slaves in Egypt and then God delivers them out of Egypt because of a famine. You know, like, all right, so rewind and go back to the famine. There's probably a bunch of people just being like, this dumb famine, you know, where's God in all of this? How is God showing up in a famine? Like, God, give us food. Would you just provide food here? Um, and the kind of funny thing is later, God will provide food, famine, uh, sorry, manna in the desert. So they don't know about that. But uh, the famine stri- strikes all Egypt and Canaan and um, bringing great suffering. So the reason that sticks out to me is uh just the ways that god does uh, monumental change in the world and the things that god uses the ordinary things um, the suffering god uses to bring about god's strategies and purposes to lead god's people like a shepherd leads a flock um and that's something that has struck me about like um like the Pentecost story over and over again. I was reading this um, this book by, oh gosh, it's called The History of Christianity by, oh, I could go grab it. I'm going to butcher his name if I try to remember what his name is. Forget it. You won't name, know his name in here. But um, uh, Gonzalez, Houston Gonzalez, he said, um, you know, yes, there after Pentecost, there were people who like felt compelled to go travel and share the gospel. Like there are some people who decided to do that. Like Paul, you know, there's people who decided to go out and try to spread their message. But first of all, the majority of that work that Paul did intentionally, he would go to like a synagogue. Hey guys, there was this, in case you hadn't heard a few years ago, there was this Pentecost thing that happened you guys should all start following Jesus now. And the Jews were like, no way. I'm not doing that. Like very little fruit in his intended missional activity, like what he was deciding to do. Counter that with all the other impetuses, impeti? What would be the plural of impetus? 
-hmm. all the rationales, all the motivations. Just pick a different word. (laughs) Some other different word. Um, Of of people, like basically people would try, went from, went from, uh, people went from Pentecost, 3,000 people were, were added to the church that day and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went from Pentecost and they left back to their homes just to go back home. Other people had to travel for work. Other people were, had to spread out because of plagues or famines. And uh, the gospel seed went with them and gospel communities sprouted up wherever they went on accident. So, to, I mean, as far as we can tell by accident, they kind of just took their gospel message with them and ordinary people ended up spreading the gospel. So I'm reminded of this, that this is how God has always been working. Famine strikes Egypt and Canaan. It seems like a life event and a catastrophe. Um, what's God doing all this? People get moved to Egypt. What's God doing all this? God delivers his people. God brings God's people back to the promised land, right? Like, and in the present moment, it may not feel like it's a very extraordinary, you know, may not feel very supernatural, may not feel like this uh, cataclysmic, you know, natural event is any way connected to any kinds of supernatural events. And yet that's how God is leading his people, you know? So I just, I just see a lot of, um, a lot of ordinary, little tiny ordinary things. I was just talking to Matt about this, like, how do we lead Victory Point through this pandemic into where God wants us to be as a church? And there's a sense of having to just trust God for that and being faithful in the little tiny small things. Or like for me, every day, day to day, it's like oftentimes I think we're looking for writing in the sky for where's God at work. And like, is God is God just going to drop a pile of money in my you know, in my mailbox or something like that? Or is God going to, you know, send me a letter handwritten from heaven or, you know what I mean? Like big, like spectacular things. Um, and the passage, this passage ends with their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had brought, bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. Like what an ordinary thing. And it's included in the narrative of how God is saving his people. It's included in Stephen's narrative about are these charges true? You know, like, is Jesus really Lord? And he's, he's including some purchase, you know, of, of, uh, of a tomb. And you know what I mean? Like just very ordinary. Or random. Like, yeah. It seems really random. Ordinary. <laughs> but we step back and it forms a constellation of, of God's activity and, and providence and will and salvation. So I don't know, that was what was kind of grabbing me about the passage, the ordinariness of it. And I think there's something a bit extraordinary at the beginning when you think about um, how the story of God and his faithfulness is shared. This is Stephen who's, you know, being put on trial. Um, If that's me, I think my first reaction would be to defend myself. Yeah. Not start you know, this big filibuster, as we've called it, to, you know, talk about all of these other events. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not even concerned about his own well-being at this point. He wants to truly testify to the faithfulness of God. And it 
it does relate to our current time because our I think our famine right now is what we're experiencing with with COVID-19 and what does it yeah. look like for us to come out on the other end and what role will we have in sharing that story of God's faithfulness yeah um, and I don't think that becomes a story you know as we as church leaders we don't want this to become a story of well, look at the great services we were still able to provide or, you know, look at how we increased in, in number of attendees or something like that. Um, how do we take this as our famine and turn this into um, the growth of a real church that mm -hmm. is passionate about, passionate about loving Jesus and loving people? Yeah, I love that. Almost like this is kind of our trial, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, and as you said that, I think there's another um, question and application of this passage. It's like, if someone puts me on a stand and says, are these charges true? Would I even be able to stitch together any semblance of a narrative, like God's story? Would I be able to tell God's story? Um, Stephen seems to know it like the back of his hand. Seems like he's um, trying to, um, he, it seems like, he's just blasting through it and trying to include everything as if there's so much more that he could tell. And I'm like, do we, do we, as you know, maybe as victory point, if any of us were to be put on stand and said, um, how did God save the world? You know, would we be able to say, well, listen, uh, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he's still in Mesopotamia. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Not to be like, uh, do you know your Bible chops? But kind of like, <laughs> do you know the story of God? Like, do we do we have a sense? Is God's story in us? Is God's story of salvation in us? Do we are we able to articulate some some narrative about God's salvation? Uh, not just in our lives, because it's not just about us. It's not just like we said on Monday, like um, what church I went to right you know it's not just um oh i grew up and went to this church that's how i know my faith is real but um but god created the world in love and there's people called adam and eve and you know abraham and you know moses and are, are we aware of the story of god that it's bigger than just us and that god has been saving the whole world since the beginning of creation or at least since second chapter or whatever um are we able to to articulate that in any sense, especially under pressure, um, or is the story of God kind of lost on us? You know, it's mostly just about me and the way God is meeting my needs day to day, um, and mostly about me and my own salvation versus us and the salvation of a whole, a holy nation and uh, a kingdom of priests. So that's an, I think another um, thing to learn from Stephen is his response to are these charges are true is to just flip right into i'm going to tell you the story of god's whole plan of salvation for the entire universe not just about myself and that invites other people into that salvation plan mm -hmm. and that plan of faithfulness because if i if i can only share the story of god's faithfulness in my life that's going to be really hard for somebody else to identify with um yeah, maybe so i do yeah i like maybe we got to be a little more like steven <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Yeah, and I think it has to it has to be both, right? We've got to be able to talk about how it's impacting us. Um, but I think there's also like a sense of the cosmic story that we're involved in. And um, I, what I don't what I don't want is when people ask me about my faith is just to talk about 
church, you know, like just talk to dip into cultural Christianity and go with what seems safest to talk about in, in company, you know? Yeah. It seems like Stephen does the opposite of that. Filibuster. He, he goes yeah. to great lengths to almost annoy them with how much uh, he wants to talk about God's story. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, well, I think that wraps up our week. Um, thank you, Wendy, for your graciousness and your insights and bringing your honesty and questions and observations and uh, just engaging around the scriptures with me during this week. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was an honor and a privilege and a lot of fun. So. Yeah, cool. I'm glad. Um, we will hopefully see you guys on Sunday morning for uh, worship. Uh, gather together, be reminded of the story, uh, be reminded of God's salvation, and also just a training and equipping to be the church um, wherever you're at right now. So wherever you are, be blessed, and um, thanks for engaging this week. Um, we will see you Sunday. Thanks for listening to the Bible Reading Plan podcast. If you have any reflections on the scripture we just read, please click the link in the show notes to leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Let me send you on your way with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.